Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we lift our hands and thank the Lord? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, we can do better than that. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, where we were last week. And we are talking about the press. And so we're going to be talking about the secrets of Gethsemane and what Jesus went through in Gethsemane and how we can take the revelation within that situation and begin to see it play out in our lives because what Jesus went through, we will go through as well through this life. Jesus experienced rejection. He experienced abandonment. He experienced um, betrayal. He uh, experienced abuse. He experienced all of these things uh, as an example for us so that we can rise above these things as well. Amen? And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the press. I told you last week that many want the will of God to play out in their life, but many times the will of God has to be pressed out Amen. in our life. And there's a big difference because, you know, growth and development isn't just linear in the sense that we just walk a straight line and experience certain things. It is also cyclical. Growth is cyclical. That means that you go through a process or a cycle in order to experience growth. And so many of that, many times, those cycles can be painful because we're being transformed from one form to another form. How many have lived long enough to realize that you get squeezed a little bit? Amen? And, uh, you know, it's just like an orange. You know, you've got an orange that's sitting on the table, but you want orange juice. Well, if you don't have any orange juice in the refrigerator and all you've got is oranges, those oranges have to sacrifice their present form to be squeezed into juice. Now, they're not any less an orange. Do you understand that? They're not any less an orange. It's just that they have changed the form. Amen? And they have become orange juice. Well, I'm here to tell you that the reason why many believers are frustrated today is because they have not submitted themselves to the process and their present form has went as far as it can go. Don't look at me that way. <clears throat> we get comfortable with our present life. And we want to keep it, so we strive to do everything that is absolutely possible to keep the comfort level where it is good and safe and secure. But life was never meant to be lived that way. Amen? I can't tell you how many people I've sat across their a table from them, or I've been in a hospital room where they're about to pass through this life and leave. And many of them realize that they settled 
for less than what they could presently experience, what God intended for them to have. They settled. I remember uh, one of the first times in ministry when I ever went on a hospital visit. It was with an elderly woman that was about to pass away. She'd only been given days to live. And she said, um, you know, she started crying. And uh, she said, I, I was supposed to be a missionary to China. But, you know, I made decisions and did this and I did that. And what, what was happening? She didn't want to get uncomfortable. I know this is going over real well. But it's the truth. She didn't want to get uncomfortable to become something that God wanted her to be. See, we've got this mistaken notion that just because God said it, it's just going to come to pass. It's just going to come to pass. God said it, therefore it's just going to come to pass. No, you have a part to play in the kingdom of God coming to pass in your life. There is a role and a responsibility, and there is a submission to the will of God that uh, Jesus exemplifies here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen? And uh, so God wants to change you out of your present form because your present form has done everything that that present form can do. So he takes us through seasons of transformation and change from glory to glory, and we always we're real excited about that. I'm being changed from glory to glory. Well, you don't know what that entails, brother. You don't know what, that's, what, you know what that looks like, sister. Come on. Because it's not just all pomp and circumstance. It isn't all just celebration and getting up and receiving some kind of accolade or some kind of award. There is suffering that comes in the process of changing from glory to glory. Because the, regardless of how good you might look or how good you might feel this morning, or regardless of what season you're in your life, whether you're going through a good season and you're in the groove, or whether you're just in absolute and utter chaos, God wants to take you to a new place to where you can break through into a new broad area in your life. But it's going to require you to cooperate with the will of God. Amen. Amen? Now, I'm old, and uh, I remember when uh, toothpaste came in that uh, kind of uh, foil stuff, that uh, lead, was it lead? Was it lead <laughs> cylinders? How many remember those? Grandma would have those things. And, uh, you know, my grandmother, she was thrifty. How many have a thrifty grandmother? Okay, so she would have that, and, you know, I would get, you know, over the sink after taking my bath as a, as a small child, and, and, and uh, I'd go to brush my teeth, and, there, you know, there wasn't nothing coming out because it had been squeezed, you know, been squeezed out. And uh, I'd say, you know, Grandma, there's no, there's no toothpaste. I can't brush my teeth tonight. She says, oh, you just wait just a minute. And so she took that thing and she'd take it from the bottom and she'd roll that thing up. I mean, roll it up the full length of the cylinder and then automatically there was toothpaste coming in there. And you know, that's a lot of way that God works in our life. When we think we've given everything we got, when we think there's no more to give, God starts rolling us up. Hello, starts rolling us up. And we find out that there's more in us than we would ever care to realize. But people don't stretch themselves.
Hello. They don't stretch themselves. And so that's why we've got to learn about Gethsemane because the present form that you're in is your limitation. Your success in life is based upon what press you're in because you're going to be pressed in many areas of your life and you've got a choice. You can either cooperate with the press and let the Word of God work in your life or you can resist it. And a lot of people resist the press. When God begins to try to work in their life, they, they say, get thee behind me, Satan, you know, when, you know, because they mistake what God's trying to do in their life for an attack of the enemy many times. Hello. And it's not that he's bringing evil in our lives because God is not tempted with evil. It just means we're getting uncomfortable with what he's asking us to do. And when we get uncomfortable with what he's asking us to do, we begin to, you know, get, get in uh, insecurity. Certain things that we didn't really notice in our lives start coming to the surface. You know, he begins to reveal certain hindrances, things, booby traps of the enemy that are in our lives that we couldn't otherwise see lest we go through the process of transformation. Amen? And so we're going to talk about uh, betrayal here today. And I know that's a good time for Mother's Day because every mother has felt betrayed. <laughs> Come on now. How many know that? Mom's been, has felt betrayed before. Daddies have felt betrayed before. Kids have felt betrayed before. You're either being betrayed or you're betraying. That's just the way this world is. You know, some people will say, well, I know that person's going to turn on you. Well, it takes one to know one. All of us, come on now. You know, I recognize betrayers because I'm a betrayer. Hello. I've done it. I can admit it. How about you? Hello. And so it's really easy to spot them because we do it too. So we've got to get delivered from it. And then we've also got to be able to know how to handle it. Because how Jesus handled it, if Jesus would have got wrapped up in the stuff that was going on in his life, he would have never went to the cross. If he got distracted by all of the chaos, all of the abandonment, all the emotional baggage and weight that was coming at him from people that he had raised up for three years, he wouldn't have went to the cross. It would have been one of the greatest temptations not to go to the cross because of the chaos of the people and the environment that was around him. He was at the most height of his popularity. I mean, even the Greeks were coming to see him. I mean, the Romans were interested in him. In fact, if you'll study the whole story out, Jesus was so widely popular and so widely known that they thought he was a shaman. They thought he was a, uh, a magician. They thought he was some kind of, uh, you know, like uh, Gandalf because they were afraid of him. When they sent that um, um, the, the uh, temple guards and they sent the uh, battalion or the cohort is what it was. It was Roman cohort. cohort. That was 600 soldiers. It wasn't just four soldiers come to arrest him in the garden. It was 600 soldiers yeah. equipped to the teeth with all kinds of weaponry. So they obviously heard some things. Now, whether it was right or not, but they heard some things and they knew that this was not an ordinary person that they were going after. And so they armed themselves to the teeth and they went with 600 plus uh, the guards from the temple. Amen. 
So they obviously thought he was going to do something or he could do something. And in fact, one of the best things about, I think it's the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, it says they come to him and said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. And the Greek describes them backing up, stumbling and falling hard to the ground. He did this twice, man. Twice this happened. I'm telling you, it hit power that was so in his life, God's presence upon him and within him, the very God-man, speaking the word of God and the name of God, caused 600-plus soldiers to fall to the ground helpless. But yet, but yet, he was led out of there, submitted not to them, but to the will of God. And that's what we've got to learn. That's what we've got to learn because we're in America. Pride runs rampant in America, and pride keeps you from doing the will of God. If Jesus wrestled with his will, you're going to wrestle with yours. There's an intersection of the divine will of God and your will. And every so often, you're going to reach that place where the X marks the spot. And you're going to have to be ready for it because it's coming. It's coming right now. Some of you are in it. Some of you will be in it, but there's going to come a time when God is going to ask of you something to transform, to change, and you've got to make a decision ahead of time. Not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Verse 1. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So that's where the intersection is. Human passions, human desire, human will, and the will of God. And that's what you're going to wrestle with in your life. And the more that I seek the will of God, the more those human passions are going to come to the forefront. The human dreams, the human desires, the human wants, the human lusts, will begin to begin to be magnified. God wants to deal with those in your life. Why? Because these things control and manipulate you. And they sabotage you later on in life. When you are so enamored and led by your appetites, your flesh, and your carnality, you're not going to get very far in life at all. You might have some success, but you'll never have success with freedom. 
There's a lot of people that have success in their bank account, but they don't have no freedom. They're not operating in freedom. They're not operating in true, you know, um, release from bondages and burdens. In fact, their success brings more responsibility, more pressure, and more pain. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, if we'll walk with him, if we'll allow him to do his work in our lives, then we will begin to walk in absolute freedom. We shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But I'm here to tell you, before it makes you free, it'll make you miserable. Hello. Hello. How many ever had them talks with that special person in your life? Maybe it was Jesus in your prayer, prayer life, or maybe it was your spouse, or maybe it was a parent. And you're asking questions and saying, you know, I just don't feel like I'm breaking through. I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And you ask for why. And they tell you. <laughs> See, this is what we want to hear when, when we come to people. I'm really not breaking through. I, I just don't know what it is. Can you tell me what it is? This is what you want to hear. Well, I can't think of anything, honey baby. Amen. Sweetheart, you're perfect. You're absolutely the, when you came into the world, all the angels sang, and there's just no reason. It's got to be just other people. It has to be just other people. It has to be either the devil or other people. Well, I'm here to tell you, your own worst enemy is not the devil. Some people don't even need a devil. Hello. It's you. It's who you saw this morning in that mirror. You limit yourself. You put restrictions on you. You tell yourself what you can do and what you cannot do. Hello. And that's what this transformation does. It deals with you. It deals with you. And it causes Christ's likeness to be brought to the forefront. Amen? So in the limited time that I have this morning... I want to just go through the process first before we get into betrayal. We may not get into betrayal right now, but I believe that this is important for us to understand the process that God uses to take you from glory to glory. Amen? And so with that, I'm going to turn, and this is not on my notes, so they're going to be mad at me back there in the secret room. But we've got to cover this. We've got to cover this. So let's turn to 2 Kings. Go to the Old Testament. How many want to change from glory to glory? Yeah, we say, we say that. We say that until the rubber meets the road. 2 Kings chapter 2. And I've shared this with you before, but it bears repeating, and especially for those that are graduating or have graduated last night or are going to graduate this week and 
are going into transitions. And there's not just people that are graduating from high school. There are people that are graduating in all realms of life right now. Graduating from the will of God in this level to another level. Graduating from glory to glory. Graduating and transitioning from job to job. Well, you've got to be able to recognize the work of God in your life. Because sometimes you can resist something that God's trying to do in your life. Because it's too uncomfortable to your flesh. Our flesh doesn't really want to do much of anything. Amen? It really doesn't want to do much of anything. It doesn't want to exert any effort whatsoever. It didn't even want to come here this morning. Okay? I mean, you know, your flesh, if you let your flesh rule your life and your appetites rule your life, you're, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere fast. And how many of you can picture somebody in your head that is a Captain Carnal? That is a Carnal Sanders. They're always cooking up a bowl of chili con carnal. And anything that they do, they're led by their emotions. Everything's emotional to them. Their decision-making is not based on fact. It's not based on information. It's not based on truth. It's based on how they feel. That's a carnal person. That's a person that's very limited. And I would dare say they're more limited and handicapped in life than anyone that would have a physical ailment because they're impaired within and Jesus didn't just want to deliver you and give you a ticket to heaven. He wanted to give you heaven on earth. And heaven on earth means it operates and works within you. It transforms you from within to without. God has brought back the Holy Spirit to reside within man, guiding and leading man and empowering man to be able to rise up and do what they are called to do. But it requires cooperation, friends. You're going to have to cooperate with the process. And any time that God begins to speak to you about doing anything, it's going to cost you up front. Let me say that again. I don't think you Because everybody wants a reward now. That's how the devil does stuff. The devil gives you the, the, the feeling, the satisfaction, the pleasure right off the bat. Payday is later on. It's just like credit. You go ahead and take it out of the store, but you're going to get a bill in the mail with 15, 17, 22, 23, 30% interest. There's going to be something that you're going to have to pay extra anytime you let the devil begin to bargain with you. Amen. But God, in the way he does things, it's when I can begin to interpret, Richard, how God's working. It's going to cost me right off the bat. I'm going to have to lose something in order to step into what he has and to get in his process. And the thing is, is that we're attached to our stuff. And I'm not just talking about physical stuff. I'm talking about ideas. I'm talking about philosophies. I'm talking about ways that we interpret life. We've looked through this lens all this time. And then God begins to deal with those aspects of our life. And they can be more painful than losing a house. They can be more tormenting than losing a job. 
because he begins to deal with aspects of our lives, misconceptions, deceptions that we have looked through that lens all of our life. And now he's talking to us about stuff. We're being touched with stuff that we didn't think was there, but God through his x-ray vision is showing us what's going, really going on on the inside of us so that we can step into greater heights in him. To go from glory to glory means you've got to abandon. Okay, everybody likes that, all right? Okay, so here is the story of Elijah and Elisha at the end of their at the end of Elijah's ministry. Elisha has served the man of God for over 20 years. He didn't just do a 3-month internship. Hello. He served the man of God for 20 years, 20 plus if you go by some biblical commentators. Okay, so this Elijah wasn't an easy man to follow. Elijah was a man that was subject to the same passions as we are, just James said, and he was highly volatile. He was very emotional. He would get down into deep, dark depression, and then he would operate in great strength and great power. He's just like you and me. He had all the flaws, but he also, God used him mightily. But I'm here to tell you, and I served a man for well over 16 years. You get to know this person. There's some, you know, some of that super gets wiped off their natural, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, you get enamored with what God's doing in them, and then you start following them, and you realize they're just human beings anointed by God, and that super kind of gets wiped off the natural, and you begin to get a little frustrated. And that's what Judas was doing. He was getting offended by the day at what Jesus was doing with the funds. Partly because he was stealing out of the bag. Generally, people who betray you, they betray you based upon something that's going on in their life. Amen? And he was frustrated. Jesus is fixing to go into his passion. The disciples have no idea what's going to happen. They don't know. They think it's going to be the same way. Five years, six years, seven years, they're just going to be following the Lord. He's fixing to go die. So he's in Bethany, and he's set at table, or he's reclined. They didn't set in tables. They reclined on the floor. And uh, uh, it says that Mary came, or uh, another gospel says a, a lady came in, and she broke a, a, a spikenard flask of costly perfume that was worth, at the time, a day's wage, okay? Well, it's more than a day's wage. It was, it was very costly, okay? You read it in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. And she pours it out and begins to rub his feet with that oil. And, and, and of course, we, you know, she's worshiping him. She's getting, you know, she's, she's adoring him. She's, 
blessing him, and guess what? It wasn't just Judas that was upset with it. The scripture says there were many disciples that had a problem with it. But Judas is the one that singled out because Judas is the only one that didn't get it right. He said, why are you allowing this woman to waste this costly oil on you? Hello. When this is worth, uh, you know, a lot of money and we can go use that money for the poor. Okay, it's always that, always that. And Jesus said something that's highly offensive. It's highly offensive today. And if you had G Judas's motives or even the disciples' motives, it would have been absolutely something that would offend you. He said, the poor you're going to have with you always. And that's the truth. Until Jesus splits the sky, you're going to have people that are going to be poor. He said, the poor you're going to have with you always, but you're not going to have me always. Well, I'm here to tell you, if a pastor said that, I am gone. We are supposed to be taking care of the poor. The poor are the, listen guys, there's more to the ministry than taking care of the poor. Should we take care of the poor? Absolutely. Did Jesus take care of the poor? Yes, he did. But they didn't interpret what season he was in, what season they were in, and where this was going. They had no idea. And so Judas gets swallowed up. He gets swallowed up with a fence. And I'm here to tell you, when you get swallowed up with a fence and you get an accusatory spirit, you are not operating in the spirit of God. People think they have the 10th gift of the spirit, the gift of suspicion. <laughs> and so everything this person that you're offended with does is wrong. I don't like the way they part their hair. I don't like the, what they, the way they dress. I don't like the car that they drive. They shouldn't be driving that car. They need to be driving this car. And we begin to prescribe all kinds of things and become judgmental and critical of everything that they do. They can't even breathe right. How many have ever run into somebody that was swallowed up by a critical spirit, swallowed up with offense? You used to love these people. You used to couldn't wait to be with them. You used to like to hear from them. But now all of a sudden you just, there's not, you just can't stand them. I mean, they brush their teeth and you go, sister, gonna, I hate you. <laughs> Hello? They get up, wrapped up with a critical spirit. And the spirit of betrayal comes on you when you begin to act like the adversary and you become accusative. Hello. This is the stuff that we need to be delivered from, friends. And we're not going to be delivered from it unless we go through the process of the press. We've got to go through the press because these things aren't easy to detach from our lives. Because every man's way is right in their own eyes. 
Everybody thinks they're right. Listen, you might say, well, I really don't know about that. But inside you're thinking, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what you need. I got the solution. I can see it. Everybody thinks their way is right. Everybody thinks their advice is the best. But that's not true. That's not true. Merry Christmas. Early. You are not as smart as you think you are. You're not as beautiful as you think you are. You are not as together as you perceive that you are. You don't know everything. Hello. But yet we have this deception that we know everything about someone else. We're very blind to our own self, but I can certainly tell you what Leela's problem is. Well, I can tell you what Leela's problem is. I can write a book. I can write a book on Bob. I can write a book on George. I can write a book on Tammy. Come on now. I can write multiple volumes on Jesse. <laughs> Hello. We all can do that. But guess what? We don't know. We don't know. It's just not true. We don't know everything. What's keeping you from where you want to be is your stinking pride. Because you think you know what's best for your life and everyone else's. And it's only when we go through the press... Hello, that we begin to see maybe we're not as smart as we thought we were. I know the things that I've went through physically, things that I've went through over my life, they brought me to the utter end of myself. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, they brought me to the utter end of myself. And you know, that's the thing we really fear the most, don't we? Not being enough. Isn't that right? Not being enough to save our marriage. Not being enough to overcome. And the truth of the matter is, you're not enough. I wasn't enough. But guess what? Jesus is enough. And what happened to me was, I hit this wall to where I, there was nowhere else to go. I was in the press, man. I was in the press. And you know you're in the press when you ain't got no other option. You don't have anywhere else to go. There's nowhere else you can turn to. And I got there. I mean, I hit the wall. Everything that I knew, everything that I had perceived and understood about God up to that moment had hit an absolute brick wall. What do you do? Well, first off, you continue to do what you do know. And so I just continued to do what I did know. But here's the great thing about coming to the end of yourself. At the end of yourself is where God is. So I reach this place and I hit this wall and I'm pressed beyond measure. 
and I reach out to God more, I cry out to God more, I seek his face, and then he brings me through to a whole nother place. Okay? So I'm not going to read these to you, but I'm going to give you the references. There are four towns that Elijah and Elisha visited on his last tour of this life before Elijah was taken to heaven. These were preparatory places that they had visited before many times. How you get to where you want to go isn't just linear. It's cyclical. You will go through cycles. And if you can understand the seasons, you can be equipped in knowing where you're at. And if you know where you're at, you can get where you want to go. But most people don't know where they're at. And most people interpret specific seasons differently, and they don't necessarily understand or know where they're at and what's going on. But the process of God is going to continue to work. And I would not want to walk around the same mountains for 40 years. I'd like to be able to go to the other side. How about you? Many people want to go to the other side, but God says, you can go to the other side, but you're not going the way you are. So you're an orange now, but I need you to be orange juice at the end of this. Because what I'm requiring of you in this next season isn't the rind and, it, it, you know, isn't you as a fully formed orange. I need you to transmogrificate. I think I made that word up. <laughs> Into, I think that's a real word, but I'm not sure. That's all right. But I want you to get into another form because, you see, the people that I'm calling you to reach need you like this. Are you with me? They need you in this form. They don't need you in that form. You show up in this form, hey, how are you doing? You, they have no need for you. And that's the reason why sometimes you'll walk into things thinking that you're the answer and no one wants anything you got. Oh, if you'll just hear this. Some of the doors you've pushed open and you get there and it's like nobody recognizes you. Well, what are you here for? But if you do the plan of God and you change and transform, you'll be ready. And people will say, yes, yes, what God's done in you, I need. Do you see what I'm saying? But people want to push in, in a, especially in ministries. They try to push into ministries, push into stuff. And they say, you know, I, I, I've got the answers. I know every. Listen, guys, that's why the press is so vital to our lives. It squeezes pride yeah. out of our life. So these four towns are representative of four seasons or four steps in a process of going from glory to glory. The first one is Gilgal. The second one is Bethel. The third one is Jericho. And the fourth one is Jordan. 
Now, these are all very important. You could do entire studies on these cities alone, and you could get, glean all kinds of insight and understanding as to what these mean as far as a process. Okay? The first place that God begins to deal with you when he's trying to take you into another level is he'll always start you at Gilgal. He'll never start you anywhere else. Hello. And Gilgal is not the funnest place to be because, as you know from the Scriptures, Gilgal is where the children of Israel who had wandered for 40 years are about to go in the promised land, but they can't go in until every male is circumcised. That doesn't sound very fun. Circumcision. The Bible talks about circumcision in many different ways. It talks about physical circumcision as a covenant of Abraham. But it also talks about circumcision of heart, which happens in our lives, not just at the new birth, but throughout our lives. Because God begins to deal with areas of our lives and cuts away fleshy parts of our existence. Hello. So right there, God is going to take you first to a place of cutting away a place of loss. When God is dealing with you, it's always going. You, that's the reason why you, 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 sometimes you're not praying the way you should pray. You're not seeking the face of God like you should seek. It's because you know what he's going to talk to you about. And people stay away from intimacy with the Lord because they know he's going to bring up, you need to deal with this. Sometimes it's offense. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's something that you're holding on to. Sometimes it's just, you know, just an attitude. Many, sometimes it may be a physical possession that is keeping you from making decisions to do something that God is calling you to do. Maybe the finance charges on your stuff is keeping you from answering the call of God. And here the knife comes. Here the roll-up begins to happen. And it's a place of band-aids. It's a place of blood. In fact, circumcision means the place of the circle. That's what it means, the place of the circle. So this is the place where the circle starts. When you write a circle on a piece of paper, and some of you are doing it right now, you start at a certain place and you end at that same place. That's what circumcision means in the spiritual process of going from glory to glory. It means I start right here and I go through a process to get to the end of it. It's a cycle. And many people are in the place of Gilgal. God is asking something of you to put away something, to cut away something, to make a decision not to continue something. And many people, they stay right at Gilgal because they don't want to step through the process because loss is something we just don't like. We don't understand it. 
We don't like it. We want people to live forever. We want our 100-year-old grandmother that can't even get out of the house, can't even get out of a chair, but we got to have them there. They're ready to go to heaven. They're ready to go on into their new existence. But more, we don't like loss. We don't like to lose stuff. Hello. It always start there. I remember we was going through a situation early on in the church when we were in the other building, and that was all we had. We just had the other building. We didn't even have this. We just had one building. And we had been doing really well, and then all of a sudden, everything just dried up. I mean, uh, you know, bank account and savings was going low. I didn't have any idea how we were going to get through this. It was during 2009. If you remember about 2009, you remember uh, the big bailouts happened and things of that nature, and the economy was just absolute junk. Thank God God got us through. But he introduced me to a process right here. So I'm sitting there, and I'm going, God, how are we going to get out of this? You know, Lord, I need your... I need your help, you know, some way, somehow, all the, all the uh, horrible prayer secrets that we've repented of, you know, begging God, trying to get him to do something. And uh, so I'm belly aching, really not praying. I'm just belly aching in the form of prayer. You know, you can belly ache with these and thou's. And I'm belly aching. Well, you know, we're going to go under, and Lord, you know, I need your help, and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, This is what he said Get the checkbook. Okay. Well, I like the sound of that. Get the checkbook. And he says, I'm going to send you to two people's houses, and you're going to pay their electric bill. See, it always costs you up front it wasn't an angel with money it was cost I had to in order to get where I needed to go I had to give up what was my perceived problem what was my perceived problem money what was God's solution give it away Oh, you're not hearing me. I'm telling you, that was a circumcision. That was... That was... Hello. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe it'll be, you know, something that, that is affordable and will not stretch us and... You know, because I'm going to look crazy to, you know, the staff and everything because, you know, we just had a meeting and talking about making cuts and everything and, and you know, toning it down and, you know, and he says, and he told me who to go to. So I knew these people and, you know, I drove up and uh, they answered. I knocked on the door and, you know, I had my checkbook in hand. That's back when everybody had checkbooks and, um, 
So I knock on the door, and they, they answer, of course, and, and they said, come on in. I said, well, I'm not here to visit. I'm not here to do anything. I'm here to be obedient to the Lord. Um, I am here to pay your electric bill. And they began to cry. They began to weep. Oh, praise the Lord. And that's, that's pretty good. You know, I really like that. I began to like that, you know. And to feel real good about this. I heard from the Lord, you know. I said, well, go get that bill. Well, you know, as they're handing it to me and it says, past due, real big, final notice. I said, how much is it? And they said, well, we got behind. Uh, they're fixing to shut it off uh, this week. It's 300 and so oh. <laughs> I'm serious. But the Lord told me to do it. So I wrote it out. Zipped it out of the binder, gave it to them, and they went rejoicing. And then, you know, I got to go to another one. <laughs> Gilgal can be hard. What was God delivering me from? My attitude towards money. Hello? So I go to the next one. Knock, 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 knock. Hey, Pastor, how are you doing? What brings you here? Well, I'm just here to be obedient to the Lord. I need to pay your electric bill. Same response. <laughs> My favorite shows were coming on tonight, and they were going to turn it off at 2. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you came. And I said, well, the Lord spoke to me, told me to do this. I said, would you please get your bill so that I can write you out a check so you can take care of this. Again, past due. Final notice. Okay. Well, how much is it? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a little high, Pastor. Are you sure you want to do this? No. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to do it, but the Lord's telling me to do it, and that's what Gilgal's about. See, you're not going to, things God asks you to do, you're not always going to enjoy. That's one of the misconceptions that people have is that you're just going to just have just a wonderful time. and it's, Now, listen, the payoff's wonderful. Payoff's wonderful. And theirs was about $375. And they should have just took their foot and, oh, because that's the way it felt like. It felt horrible because I'm out over $700 now. And, you know, Nothing's coming in. 
But there's a process. And it starts with cutting away. Are you getting anything out of this? See, in order to get to Bethel, which is the place of transformation, I had to go through Gilgal. Because, see, by my participation at Gilgal, it puts me in a position for restoration, reconciliation, and release. Because I've gotten rid of the thing God asked me to get rid of, which was my fear. See, those checks represented my fear. My fear of lack, my fear of not having enough, my fear of failure. They represented all that. And that's what God is really cutting away from me. He is not taking money away from me because he's my source. He's taking away fear from me. He's cutting away fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of making a mistake, fear of ridicule, fear of all the things that I thought were going to happen. He was using that as a vehicle to get me to where I would be not afraid. Okay? Which leads me to the next place, Bethel. Did it happen immediately? Did you come back to the church, Pastor, and all of a sudden someone said, hey, I've got five grand for you? Did you immediately get a reward for what you brought out? No. In fact, I was stretched beyond measure because I'm sitting there wrestling with the fact how stupid could I have been And I knew these people, they don't go here anymore. So stop trying to figure it out. (laughs) They were going to be in the same mess three months from now. So why would God do this to me? And so I went through a process of wrestling with my doubts, with the faithfulness of God. Was he really true to what he said? Could I trust him? And I'm telling you, the bills kept coming in. The situation kept going. Life kept ginning. The train kept rolling. The earth kept spinning. And our electric bill, that thing was spinning too, right? (laughs) And I'm wondering what in the world. But see, as you begin to go through the agony, you're wrestling with doubt. You're wrestling with unbelief. You're wrestling with things that will keep you from going to the other side. And if you keep wrestling, Greg, if you keep wrestling, you're going to begin to develop the faith muscles that when a situation comes in your life that doesn't look like it's good, you know exactly what you need to do 
I not only got delivered from that immediate physical need, I got delivered for life. Because when you go through something like that, and you experience and you let the work of God go through, let patience have a perfect work, that you might be perfect and entire, lacking nothing, that's a process. That doesn't happen overnight. Some of you are wrestling with doubts right now, whether or not God's going to get you through this situation. He is. He's faithful. But I'm here to tell you, friends, you are condemning yourself for wrestling with it. Jesus has no problem with the wrestle. It's when you stop wrestling. When you give up and allow yourself to be pinned or just get off the mat entirely, that's when all is lost. But if you keep on, have you ever got in a, in a hold in wrestling and, you know, you, you just have exerted yourself? You just say, I'm going to rest here for a little bit, you know, and they're still grinding on you, you know, and you wrestle here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just resting my eyes right now. I'm just going to, but you're still wrestling. You're still in the game. You're not, you're not tapping out. You're not telling the referee, get him off of me. You're just taking your time, and that's okay. Because God will strengthen you to not only overtake your adversary, but pin him. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when I was a kid, I did wrestling. I wasn't very good at it. But uh, when you beat an opponent, whether it's boxing or even in any sport, when you beat an opponent, there's already an edge you have. There's already an edge. So when the situation, when a financial situation comes this way, they're apprehensive. The enemy's apprehensive because he knows he lost the last battle. Doesn't mean he's not going to show up. Doesn't mean he's not going to try. But because you have the edge and you've went through Gilgal in this situation, and you went through the transformation, you're on the other side, you've got the advantage. And you're going to use the same faith that you used there, but it's going to be more developed. You're not going to wrestle with the same things you wrestled with before. Are you with me? So then you get to Bethel, and Bethel basically changes your name. That's where Jacob got his name changed. He got his name changed at Bethel. And, uh, you know, he went from supplanter, conniver, shyster, trickster to prince with God and men. He got his name changed. And that's what happens is the devil knows you by a certain name. And what happens when you go through Gilgal, you cut away that thing that identifies you with that name. And you get over into Bethel and God gives you a new name. God gives you a new identity because you're not the same person that you went to Gilgal. You've got a part of you cut off from there. You're no longer identified. He loses your phone number. He loses his ability and his file on you because you're not the same person. So then you get to Bethel and God blesses you. The uh, transference and download of God comes into your life that gives you a totally new identity, not just in this life, but in the life that's unseen. 
But then you come to Jericho. And Jericho is the place of the test. God does not tempt you with evil, but he will test you with what he's given you. And you've got to make a decision whether or not I'm going to follow the Lord in the place in which I am overcoming or have overcome. Am I going to have the same intensity or the same urgency without the emergency? And that's what Jericho is all about. But once you get past Jericho, friends, and you get to Jordan, oh, you're going to be like Elisha standing on, those, on that bank, so that taking that mantle, whipping that water, and walking straight on dry ground to the other side. That's what the press does. The press causes you to be able to overcome, listen to me, the circumstances that have held you back and have opposed you to keep you away. The Jordan was a barrier. God took care of the barrier. But he took care of the barrier because they went through a process. Are you with me? You understand what I'm talking about here? I'm here to tell you, friends, if you'll take this in and you'll make this a part of your life, I'm not saying that you're not going to have trouble. I'm not saying that you're not going to be tempted. I'm not saying that you're not going to feel opposition and pressure, persecution, and that you're going to, you know, win every time you get on the mat. I'm telling you that if you'll get in God's process, you'll become, because that's what God's interested in. He's not interested in where you're going. He's interested in who you're becoming. Don't look at me that way. It's just the truth. Well, if God's going to do it, he's just going to do it. Baloney. God's done everything he's going to do about your situation. He gave you Jesus the very best that he had. He expects you to walk out the revelation of his word. And that comes through opposition. And that comes through growth. And it comes through pain. Hello. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. God is good. Give you something to think about on this Mother's Day. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to wrap it up because we're getting a little late here. And it's 1030 and we need to go. But I encourage you. Where are you at? Where are you at? What stage are you in? Now, I'm not saying you're going to go through these steps three or four times a year. You'll go through these steps and it'll be years in between sometimes. You can't put any limit it's as God desires. And really, uh, according to our um, cooperation, you know, you got to cooperate with the plan of God. There's a lot of people that aren't willing to cut away certain things. 
They're not willing to make the decisions necessary to get a hold of the other rung. You know, there's a lot of people that are holding on to the same handhold they've held on for 20 years. And God has shown them another handhold, but it means they have to release their hand from the one they have to be able to reach the other one. And that is very, very tough. <clears throat> but we walk by faith and not by sight. And God is going to make sure that you ain't going to see everything. He'll give you just a little bit of light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. That means it's just a little bit to be able to take the next step and to take the next step. He ain't going to give you a full, broad view of the path. We've got to stop believing that the plan of God is just one straight line. You've got to realize that it's also a, a, a cycle, but it's also, if you look at the way God has led you, it's this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And you've got to understand that when you look back on that, you're going to see a masterpiece. It doesn't make sense to you right now where you're at. Some of you are wrestling with and troubled with where you're at. But I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. God is true. God is just. And God is good. Absolutely. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, or you need to be uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you need um, healing in your body or deliverance, we're going to have uh, people here that are going to be ready to pray for you and minister to your needs right after I close the service out. I'm going to close it right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we just step into what you have for us. We choose to go the way of the press. We know that we cannot get into what you have for us the way we are, and we are opening ourselves up to be molded by you for your use so that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.